Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, so we are talking about the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus on the show. No doubt your pastor preached to you an account of the resurrection of Christ this last Sunday. But there are so many more appearances, as we heard yesterday, Pastor Russ went to 1 Corinthians 15, and and in that creedal statement uh, where Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture, that he was raised on the third day, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then the 500, and and all these different people, part of his uh, of glory is showing and manifesting himself in the resurrection. So we are at the end of John and we're just examining some of these post-resurrection appearances. If you remember, Jesus was essentially crucified in chapter 19, and then chapter 20 and 21 deal with uh, his resurrection and then his appearances afterward. So I didn't catch where you guys wanted to go today. Well, yesterday show. we talked about the re- uh, the appearance to Mary Magdalene in, in John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18, and there was just some things that maybe we should just reach back and and address again so she is at the tomb mary is weeping um she's had a a encounter with an angel who asked her a question why are you weeping and she's saying to him hey they've taken away my lord why wouldn't i be weeping and then suddenly she has somebody behind her that she turns around and sees she thinks it's a gardener and she questions him or, I'm sorry, She Jesus says to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And then she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. So she thinks the gardener somehow is involved in this taking of the body, and then I'll leave it to Phil then to pick up the story from there. Well, sure. And she turns she turns uh, to jesus and, and and says you know if if you've taken him away tell me where you've laid him and and i will come and get him which is a totally ir- irrational statement how, how is she going to pick up a dead body by by herself but w- once again it's a, it's a, an indication of her total devotion mm-hmm. to jesus even as she thinks that he's dead. And in one sense, her response is totally right. She was devastated at the thought that Jesus was gone. Yeah. That, that reveals the true heart of a disciple. If, if, if you can take or leave Jesus, you're not a Christian. That's right. I mean, this, this is the right That's response. Right. That's right. Anyway, um, it's interesting in the text, uh, it's telling in the text, that Jesus doesn't identify himself and say, hey, it's me, it's Jesus. Instead, he says her name. He just says Mary. And she instantly says Rabboni. Uh, And John gives us the translation from the Aramaic. It it means teacher. So she immediately recognizes him when he says her name. And that calls us back to John 10, where uh, 
Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and I call them by name. And uh, here he calls her by name. She immediately recognizes uh, who it is that it's Jesus. And then there's this mysterious thing. Uh, she reaches out to take hold of him, to you know, give him a big hug. And he says, don't. He says, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Now, I'm going to throw this back to you guys. Why does Jesus say, don't cling to me? I remember preaching this message, but I'm afraid that if I give an answer, I might be rebuked on air. Should I try anyway? That way we'll yes. make our, our, our listeners feel better about themselves, yes, right? Yes. <laughs> so I think he was saying, don't cling to me in a particular way. Don't cling to me like I'm never going to leave the earth again. I'm only here until I ascend to heaven. I, I take it from the silences that wasn't the correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a sense where Jesus is saying my physical presence isn't what's important. Yeah. Um, and I, th I think that's what you're saying. Yes. Um, that the promise of the earlier chapters in John, the upper room discourse is, it's actually better that I go away. Right. My physical pre presence is actually going to be a hindrance to you experiencing the fullness of the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, that I need to go to, to my Father so that I can send the Spirit. Yeah. Um, so don't think that my physical presence is the end all. Um, right. There's something better. Yes. I, I, I think he's saying, I'm not, I have not returned to you as I was. Yes. Um, and... You know, perhaps, you know, in, in, in her mind, you know, when she reaches out to, to embrace him, oh, we've, we've got Jesus back. And uh, it's going to be just like it was before. Mm -hmm. And by, by saying, don't cling to me, Jesus is saying, no, I've, I've moved into a whole new order of existence. The, the resurrection of Jesus is not the resuscitation of a corpse. Mm -hmm. He's in a glorified body. And we're going to see as we go into some of the uh, other uh, resurrection appearances about how he would just appear in a room without needing to open the door. Um, and, and yet uh, he still bears the scars of the crucifixion. Uh, so anyway, but, but I, I... So he wasn't rebuffing her intimacy. He wasn't rebuffing your int intimacy, but he's saying we're not going back to what it, to what your relationship was with me before uh, that th this is a whole new God God is doing a whole new thing that involves my ascension to the right hand of the Father and uh, the, it's going to involve the gift of the Holy Spirit to you it, you're, so uh, don't don't think that this is just a return to the way it was before the cross, and now we can forget about all that nasty cross business and just be back the way we were before. No, it's not going to work that way. And I think an element of all of these post-resurrection appearances is the centrality of God's Word. Yeah. 
yeah. of the word of Christ and the word of God is more important than his physical appearing. Mm-hmm. So on the road to Emmaus, he doesn't reveal himself physically. Here, he doesn't reveal himself so that they can physically know that it's Christ. It's by his word. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the, on the road to Emmaus, the two men, after they finally realized it was Jesus, they said, didn't our hearts burn while he opened the scriptures to us. In other words, our hearts were burning when we saw Jesus in scripture, even though when our eyes didn't know it was him. That's that's a huge point today because we don't have the physical Jesus on earth, but our hearts can still burn with the resurrected Christ today. Amen. And even the angels pointed the women in the initial encounter back to God's word. Don't you remember what Jesus said? that he would be handed over to sinful men, that he would be crucified, that he would be buried, that he would be raised on the third day. They're, they're going back to Christ's word. Um, and here, I think the point is, don't cling to me physically. That's not what's important. Yeah. Go back and remember what was taught, yeah. that I needed to die and be raised and go to my Father. Why? So you can get the fullness of the presence of God in the, in the outpouring mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There was a shift from their relying on their eyes mm-hmm. to their relying on the scripture. And, and this right. is totally played out in the book of Acts. Yep. And just getting back to the, the text in John of Mary Magdalene, at, at the close of that text, verse 18, Mary Magdalene is once again a model of discipleship. Mm-hmm. She immediately goes and tells others mm-hmm. about her encounter with Jesus. Uh, verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So what does she do? She, and, and John is very, I think John is very intentional about this. She immediately goes and bears witness to others. She, she's a model of discipleship from beginning to end. Even though she had forgotten uh, the promise of Jesus that he would be raised. Apparently she had forgotten because she's, she's grieving. She, she's devastated. And then the question, why are you weeping? Um, but still, she's a model of discipleship in that she's totally devoted to Jesus, even when there's no rational reason to be totally devoted to Jesus. Uh, and then when she meets the risen Lord, boom, she goes and she tells others. I don't want to beat a dead dead horse here, but it's interesting that her testimony isn't just that she saw the Lord. Yes. She she goes and testifies what she's seen and heard. And heard. Yeah. Um, and I think that's an important component. Um mm-hmm. that we're grounding people in truth. Um so it's not just our own experiences right. that are important. I'm, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that our experiences aren't important, right? But that they're not the sole basis for belief. Mm-hmm. So, you're, when we go and tell people about Jesus Christ, we're not just giving "quote unquote" our testimony. Um, right. We're telling, yes, what we've experienced, but we're also grounding them in the truths of God's word, mm-hmm. what we've seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't think. Hopefully I'm, I'm not taking that out of context and applying it incorrectly, but I do think that throughout all of these, there is a word component that needs to continually be emphasized because we live in an age, quite honestly, where experiences have almost become a third sacrament. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to be careful in the church where we, we place experiences over the word. Yeah. Um, and... Mm-hmm. 
this just is a helpful when I've been looking at res, post-resurrection accounts. This has been a helpful reminder for me uh-huh. of trying to take people back to the scriptures, back to what the word says. Well, if you mm-hmm. you look at the account, Mary didn't recognize Jesus was Jesus with her own eyes, just like the men on the road to Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus, which brings us to a really important point. If you're trusting in your senses to be the ultimate arbiters yeah. of truth, you are relying on, on, on you're, you're skating on thin ice to use whatever analogy you want to use. Right. Uh, y- your, your senses are not the ultimate standard of what is true in the world. I mean, even mm-hmm. uh, Paul says later on that even uh, Satan can manifest himself as an angel of light. That is not how Jesus demonstrates his re- resurrection in any of these places. It's always, what does the word say? What does the word say? What does the word promise? What have I told you? Well, and, and in fact, their senses deceived them. Mm-hmm. They thought Jesus was dead and gone. And they, they forgot his word. They forgot his promise that he would be raised. I would just encourage you that as you continue to think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, just go back into the Gospels and see how Jesus was preparing his disciples throughout the entire Gospel accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, He knew what what was coming, and so he wanted them to um, continue to believe the truth of what he was saying. Um, Going back to what Josh says um, earlier, not believe their their eyes, but believe the truth. And I would say that that's really a foundational for life. Don't trust your feelings. Mm-hmm. Trust what God's Word says. That's right. You've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 